Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, this is Miranda Wright, and this is day 101 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today, we're going to find joy in suffering through our Christ, being determined not to be shaken by emotions, attacks, or circumstances from our steadfastness to fight the good fight of faith as we pray for those who persecute us and do all manner of evil against us. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 says, Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is not a very popular passage, but it is a biblical truth. And I'm sorry if nobody ever told this to you. Because the truth is that many fall away from the faith being discouraged and confused. Because they were so alive that the cross is some self-serving magical amulet that will make all of their troubles go away and cause nothing but blessings and happiness and goosebumps to fall on them day after day. They were led to the cross, but they were never told that they had to carry it. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, And Jesus said unto them all, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross is that place of self-denial where we say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm choosing your plan and trusting in it that it is perfection and that it will bring a greater weight of glory for me on the other end of eternity than I could ever hope to see by walking in what pleases me in the here and now. I lay my life, my will, my ambitions, my desire down so that yours can come alive in me. He laid his life down that we might take it up. But first we must lay ours down that he might raise us up. The economy of heaven is counterintuitive to the economy of man. We say we want to be elevated. God says, well, then you must be humbled. We say we want riches. God says, well, then you must give all that you have to the poor. We say we want blessings. God says, then you must mourn and be meek and long-suffering. We say we want strength. God says, then you need to allow yourself to become weak. We want to live. God says, then first, you must die. We say we want to be somebody before men. God says, first, you must lay down your pride and be faithful in the hiding, serving where no man sees before he will trust you with the greater things. Yes, my friend, this is true biblical Christianity, that God sifts the wheat 
to get out all of those things that are selfish and self-serving so that he can pull out those that are worthy, not by our own merit, but because that they have humbled themselves before the mighty hand of God, that he can trust them to pour out his grace in greater measures because the Bible says that he gives more grace to the humble. Because those are the only ones he can trust with it. And many times that humbling and that stripping and that pruning and that preparing for the outpouring of his grace, that mighty stage that he has been setting for you comes through persecution. So I'm speaking to you today, dear weary soul who thinks you must be doing something wrong for there to be so many hardships that come against you, that God must be displeased with you for so many people, even your friends, family, and church folk to rise up against you, that God must be far off for all the world to resist you every time you try to serve God with an obedient heart when it seems like everyone else has it so good and easy. Allow me to encourage you today that you are not doing anything wrong. The odds are, my friend, is that you may be the one that's actually doing it right. Now, we understand that when we fall into sin, into temptation, things get out of order and out of place and can become very chaotic. But we know in our heart those times and situations. We know when we've strayed from the master's hand. We know when we've walked away from his table and provision, but there are those seasons when we have done nothing but sought to please him. And it seems like all the world comes against us and we may begin to question, Lord, did I miss something here? Did I do something wrong? Everyone that is speaking into my ear is critiquing and criticizing and rebuking what I was so sure You told me to do because I decided to trust you. The truth is, my friend, that this God stuff is real and so are the enemies of it. Yes, it's true that as our opening passage states, all that live godly will suffer persecution because the only people who never come face to face with the devil are those already at his side. Having said that, if you have not faced opposition for your faith and service to God from strangers, friends, family members, and the devil himself, then it's time to fall on your face and repent because you are not actually saved. Because there is a war going on and you are part of it, whether you want to be or not. When you truly get saved, You become the enemy of a very nasty enemy. The fact that you become the enemy of the devil and that his efforts are now turned against you when before they were not is perhaps one of the greatest evidences of your salvation and right standing with God. There is no greater endorsement under heaven than to be hated by hell. Philippians chapter 1 verse 28 says, And in nothing be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. What Paul was saying to the church of Philippi 
in this passage, which was written to the leadership of the church of Philippi, that when the enemy rises against you through people, it is an evidence that they are being led by a spirit unto perdition, but it is also an evidence to you of your salvation because that you have become the enemy of the enemy of God. Now we understand that everyone's level of persecution is different. Some lose jobs, some lose friends or family, and some lose their lives. But my friend, no matter what you lose, do not lose your joy. Remember that great is your reward in heaven if you stay the course and finish the race with endurance. And in doing so, prove that your faith is not contingent upon your self-gratification, but rather is based upon your love for God, who was willing to prove his love for you by enduring great suffering and persecution on your behalf. Determined to do the same, knowing that all suffering is temporary, but the airship of God's glory is everlasting. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. I am convinced that our position in heaven is determined by our disposition getting there. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't let the attacks of the enemy harden you towards God or towards your fellow man. Do as Christ commanded in Matthew 5:44 and love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Do you think that he said those words in vain? No. He meant it quite literally because he knew that you would face it nearly daily when you truly choose to obey him, trust what he says, and live godly. Because that it will stir up conviction, envy, and contention amongst the enemy. So don't be discouraged by the attacks, but rather be encouraged that you are doing something right to have gotten the devil so mad. Rejoice with great gladness that you have become the enemy of the enemy of God. Count it all joy, as the Apostle Paul said, and determined to have more fun giving the devil a hard time than he has trying to give you one. Live with purpose. Because you only have one life to live on this earth. So even if all of hell rises up against you and tries to stop you, then shake off the attacks. Serve God. Obey his voice. And live it well that your name might bring joy to heaven and contempt to hell. Because First Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, Happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. 
having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that we should suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, and the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Many times the only way to break through the hard-hearted is to allow them to persecute you and then let the love of Christ shine through you to them that they might see that there is something different. So Father, we come before you today and we pray for those who have persecuted us, who have used us, who have slandered us and offended us and come against us and moved in despite and contention and backbiting and bitterness oh how they have hurt us and it was no reason for it we did everything in our ability to reach out to them to love them to minister to them to help them to teach them to lead them guide them and direct them into things that were better for them but yet the enemy twisted it against them and they turned against us and they said all manner of wickedness about us lord and it's so easy for the enemy to cause that to become an offense that would separate us from the destinies and plans that you have for us. So today, by the power of your grace, we lay it before you on the altar in faith and say, Lord, we give it to you. We choose to love them anyway. We choose to pray for them until our heart changes. We choose to cry out for them, Lord, because that's the only thing that's going to save them. They're never going to be any different than the way that they are until they've come to truly know our Lord and Savior. So God, we petition you for them. And if there be anyone that you know that has caused offense or risen up against you, even if you took no offense of it, I want you to search your heart right now and call that name out and lay that before God today. God, we give it to you and we pray for them. We cry out for them. We say, Lord, don't abandon them. Don't forget them. Don't let them stay in their sin, their wickedness, and their contention. But Lord, give them a new heart. Take away that heart of stone. Give them a heart of flesh. Put your spirit within them that they might walk in your good character, those fruits of the spirit. That they might know true selfless love and sacrifice because true love is sacrifice and how can we lead them to it if we're not willing to prove it with our life God help us to be a good demonstration of the character love and very spirit of Christ we understand that in scripture spirit is character that's why when the Bible talks about the spirit of Elijah it's talking about the character of Elijah or the spirit of a man it's the character of a man or the spirit of Jezebel it's someone who has the character of Jezebel therefore when we talk about the Holy Spirit of God it is literally the character of God because he is holy therefore his spirit is holy his character is holy and if we have that Holy 
Spirit within us, then we should bear forth His character. The Spirit is the seed. The character is the fruit. When we see the character, we know that the seed is there. When we see the fruit, we know what seed it came from. When we see the character, we know the Holy Spirit of the living God is within that person. God doesn't look at gifts and works and all of these things that man likes to put his attention on. God looks at the heart. He looks for His Spirit. He looks for the right fruit. He looks for the character. That and that alone will prove if we are being led of him that we might be called his children. Because the Bible says that only those who are led of his spirit are the sons and daughters of God. Because God looks at spirit to determine family. That's why the scripture says that you are either a child of God or a child of the devil. We are either led by his spirit bearing the fruits of his character or we are led of the enemy's spirit, that unclean spirit, that unholy spirit manifesting the devil's character. And any root of offense or bitterness towards any man is a manifestation of this. So we've got to come today and say, Lord, if the enemies try to graft something into me, I need you to cut it off. I need to be changed. I need you to cultivate your fruit in me again. Because I want to be led by your spirit. That we might manifest the character of Christ. That others might see it, believe it, and want to partake of it. Because what is the fruit but the reproduction of the tree? When we saw that character of God in Jesus, we said we need it. And so then we believed him for it. But now others need to see it in us. And sometimes the only way we're going to be able to demonstrate it is whenever we face those situations that call for unspeakable, uncommon love. Grace, humility, meekness, kindness, gentleness, and all of the fruits of the Spirit. Lord, help us daily to walk in it. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.